Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Welcome, OIS Podcast listeners. This is Tom Salemi, and I'm very grateful you're here. Uh, in a, and I'm going to get into uh, one of the more interesting stories of the summer uh, in ophthalmology. We've had a great summer, a lot of great news to report. And we'll delve into uh, one of those stories in a few minutes. But I did want to uh, toot our own horn for just one moment. Uh, this is our 99th podcast. Believe it or not, we've been uh, done this 99 times, you and me. So thank you for, uh, for joining us on this journey. And uh, next week, if you're any good at math, you'll know that it's our 100th episode. And uh, we've got a few things planned. to be a slightly different uh, presentation. A lot of great conversations about looking ahead uh, in ophthalmology. And uh, what are some of the uh, the positives that uh, we can expect to come from or expect to see or expect to hear uh, in the coming two years? So please join us next week for our 100th OIS podcast. I promise you will not be disappointed. And uh, no disappointment with this one either. We've, we've got a great story to tell. Revision Optics, uh, John Kilcoin, the CEO and president, has uh, presented on the OIS stage before telling uh, the great tale about the raindrop inlay. Uh, again, it's, it's an inlay that will help uh, correct presbyopia, which is uh, much needed <laughs> by everyone, including myself. And uh, very grateful to hear another approval from the FDA. And this one came faster than most people had anticipated, including revision. So it uh, was delivered at the end of June, early July, and uh, revision was sort of projecting for later this year. And uh, now they're uh, switching to commercial mode. And uh, John really gets into what that means, how the company uh, will be uh, selling this product, positioning this product, uh, whether direct-to-consumer makes any sense, whether it's going to focus on optometrists who, uh, who see folks like me who have trouble uh, reading things like they once did. So uh, Revision is really on the cutting edge of, uh, of a growing uh, space within ophthalmology. So John's insights are extremely valuable. I hope you enjoy them, and uh, please tune in next week for our 100th podcast. Now this conversation with John Kilcoin. Well, John Kilcoin, welcome to the podcast. Tom, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me today. Uh, very happy to have you, and uh, you've been a regular at OIS. I know we've got a number of your presentations up on OIS.net, and uh, the last one you gave at ASCRS, you sort of uh, included Field of Dreams in there, which was a sort of a nice way is that if you build this uh, this sort of product, the patients will come, and you did build it, and you got some, some big news uh, um, last month. Can you uh, first just uh, t- tell us a bit about uh, Raindrop and, uh, and your news last month from the FDA? FDA? Sure. Uh, just to those who may not be familiar with Raindrop, it's a, uh, a corneal inlay that's placed under a uh, femtosecond flap in the non-dominant eye. Uh, it's about 30 microns in thickness and 2 millimeter in diameter. Um, so essentially you lift a LASIK-like flap, uh, place the raindrop down on the um, stomal bed, light-constricted pupil, uh, wait for 30 seconds or so for the uh, the raindrop to take on a, a dimpled or mottled appearance, and then hydrate the hinge of the flap and put the flap back over. And when that flap comes back over the raindrop, uh, it creates a somewhat of a central elevation, uh, and over the first 24 uh, to 36 hours or so, you get a epithelial remodeling across the anterior curvature of the cornea, uh, and that's that 
uh, epithelial remodeling, which creates a prolate effect, uh, is what drives the improvement near and intermediate vision. So as, as you mentioned, we, we uh, did have the, um, the good fortune of having an approval on uh, June 29th. It did, come, it did come a little more quickly than we had anticipated. We we're preparing for panel. Uh, we we're going through all the, the appropriate steps, budgeting, um, site selection of uh, panel prep locations, panel members, et cetera. And as we got you know, closer into the date where we knew the agency was running uh, up on their timeline, uh, we, we got an increased uh, indication, increasing indication that we, we may, in fact, not end up going to panel. The agency uh, did not ever articulate that to us. Um, but as the, the date grew nearer, we had a, a better appreciation of the fact that that may, may not occur, the panel may not occur. And then on the day of uh, approval, uh, we not only got the approval, but we got the approval order. Um, That's outstanding. So, yeah, it was uh, it was quite a rush. Um, it is um, uh, the good news is it, it came a little bit faster and quicker than we anticipated. The the challenges it came a little faster and quicker than we anticipated. So we are uh, moving as quickly as we can to put all of the final pieces of the puzzle in place uh, with regard to UDI and labeling, et cetera, uh, and, and making sure we conform with the agency's requests. And I, I have to say that. Um, through the whole process, uh, the the agency uh, was was on time, either on schedule or ahead of schedule. We had a great review process uh, with Jeff Brocious, who was our lead. Everora, who was our medical reviewer, did an outstanding job. She was um, she was always there. Um, we had we had hit the ball to her, and she had hit it right back to us. We had a very good uh, dialogue with the agency all throughout the process, and obviously, uh, Dr. Edelman, we appreciate her uh, confidence and faith in, in moving us to an approval and approval order on uh, on June 29th, but um, I, I have to give the FDA their um, their due. They did great interaction with us, and we're, we're very appreciative for that. That's always great to hear, and, and I don't want you to speak for the FDA. I know you're not an observer of the FDA, but how often does that happen, where you're going in, you're, you're ready for another hurdle to climb, and then... The FDA just says, or, or clear, and the FDA says, "Well, no, you won. The race is over. You don't have to. You don't have to jump any more hurdles." I mean, that that's uh, that's really unusual, isn't it? Well, I, yeah, no. I, I think I think we actually were the the first um, to uh, encounter this situation. I, I wouldn't say we. I would say we won, but the, the the hurdle I would also share was quite high. It was a three year follow up, and and uh, the FDA. Uh, held us, even though they gave us the approval, they held us to a very high bar. And so um, I, I think the data that we submitted was robust. Uh, I think both on the effectiveness and the safety was robust. Um, and so in, 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 uh, in addition to the dialogue that, that ensued over the, you know, we submitted in September of 15, and we, so we had ongoing dialogue for, you know, those, what, nine months or so. And I think as that process unfolded, uh, the agency became increasingly comfortable uh, with our data. The, the agency became increasingly comfortable with the fact that we were in command of our data, uh, and with, that we were a, a willing and working, a willing participant to, uh, you know, the give and take of, of the of the uh, dialogue and the relationship. So I think uh, both parties became comfortable. The bar was quite high. Uh, but that's fine. Uh, we, we did jump over that bar, and again, I appreciate the agency's um, confidence and trust in moving us forward. Um, 
so it is. It is. Um, I think we were unique. Uh, although I, I'm very gratified to see that you know since that time we've had uh, you know AMO got a, a, an approval, uh, Shire got an approval. So um, I do uh, you know going up the hierarchy. I think Dr. Shearn also and Bill Mazel uh, are are trying very hard to be measured and appropriate uh, with the uh, advisory uh, uh, panel or panel meetings, the advisory meetings. So. Um, yeah, I, I think it was a, a you know a good effort all around, and I think the benefactors are you know going to be the patients and uh, surgeons in our space. Yeah, we we literally could not keep up with all the good news at uh, OIS. We were trying to put together our weekly newsletter, and we kept having to rip it up and rip it up because there was so much coming down the uh, coming through the pipe. It was an extraordinary month. So as a, as a leader, uh, you, you're you're kind of positioning yourself or reading everybody for uh, this last stage of FDA review. You get that review earlier than you like, which is a wonderful problem to have. What do you do next? Is there a pivot involved or is it more just kind of a, well, we just skipped this step. Now let's you know, skip ahead a month and a half and, and pick up at that point. What was, the, what was the challenge for you and for the company? Well, I, mean, I think um, it's not as much the pivot as it is an accelerator. Um, the, 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 uh, the pedal you know, goes to the floor, uh, but in an appropriate way. I mean, there's certainly we have, to, we have some um, post-approval uh, details that we have to finalize with the agency, which are critical to us. Um, you know, post-market studies, uh, having those reviewed and finalized labeling. Uh, you know, just the final labeling, although it's been approved, we need to you know check that box and, and get the agency comfortable with that, as well as the um, you know UDI, which is uh, um, another another project that we we need to have in place. And again, we we were anticipating that we would probably be a panel. In, in the fall, and, and that uh, the approval would come sometime later in the year, and the approval order probably not to Q1 of uh, 2017. So, you know, that was our planning process. Now we are in a in a situation where, you know, we we have an approval, so we're trying to, uh, in an appropriate and a measured way, bring that timeline in as as uh, quickly as we can without obviously sacrificing on any of our uh, quality metrics or or um, obviously patient safety issues. So. Mm-hmm. Do you have a did you have a sales team sort of ready to go or is this accelerate that as well? I mean, you're six no, months. No, that, that that is in process as we speak as well. So we have uh, we have recently hired Frank Shields, and we're very excited to have Frank on the team. Um, as we speak, he is um, trying to assemble a uh, field sales force with um, outcome specialists as well. So we will um, we're in the process, and uh, we're moving that. Um, Ball uh, as you know as fast as we can, so it it, it really it is a pivot. Uh, one of the things clearly that we have talked about internally is that um, you know for the past six years, I mean the study began in 2010. Uh, we have been pretty much a very internally focused organization. Um, everything was about the study. Everything was about the development. Everything was about the processes and development of the processes internally. Internally. Um, now the pivot, to use your word, the pivot is going from, you know, an internally focused company to a externally focused company. Uh, our, our, we need to focus on the customer, which is our surgeon, and obviously ultimately our, our patient. So that is a pivot, and um, it, it is a very different feel and flavor. Um, I would share that that uh, you, the um, the energy in the building. Um, you know, post approval is palpable. You can feel it. Um, it it's um, everybody has more of a bounce in their step and uh, ready to take on the next challenge. 
Um, it is very exciting. It is very exciting. This is a major market. Uh, as we know, Presbyopia is referred to as the Holy Grail. Uh, we, we, we hope to be able to play our part in um, uh, helping patients uh, reduce or eliminate the need for reading glasses and uh, provide uh, them with, with um, a great outcome. I've, I've shared on this podcast before that I'm I'm ready for the reading glasses, so I'm cheering you folks on that I would like to find a I'd way to, to... I'd love to say you're unique, but that, that, <laughs> you're, you're one of about two billion. Yeah, um, that's good for you. That you, you don't yeah, want me to be unique. Yeah, so, uh, Tom's not a very big market, I assure you. Um, so... You, you're, uh, you're, you, you've got this. Did you have to accelerate the hiring of the sales team at all? That's what I'm kind of wondering. Did or, or are you just proceeding along the same schedule? No, I mean, we've, no, we've, we've certainly accelerated. Um, we've accelerated our timelines, and um, yeah, we, as I said earlier, we're trying to we're trying to pull pull in as as much as we can, as fast as we can. But you know, the the, the clear items that we we cannot change and, and must get done before we do anything is those, those follow-up reports to the agency, which we will do, um, and make sure that, that they're comfortable with us and taking the next step and moving forward to that first shipment. Hi, everybody. Tom here. Just want to take a quick break to remind you that we enjoyed a great OIS at ASRS last week in uh, San Francisco. If you weren't there, well, I have some good news for you. You, you missed out on the networking and uh, the conversations in the hallways, but you can catch what happened on stage. Uh, we're putting it up on OIS.net. It'll start going up uh, probably this week, early next, and uh, we'll trickle it out to you slowly. If you want to have it direct, sent directly to you, rather, uh, then you should sign up for the Ion Innovation newsletter. Just go to OIS.net, add your email in there, and we will send you uh, the video content from OIS at ASRS. And uh, as well as these uh, great podcasts, including our 100th podcast, which will come out next week, and our great written coverage of our events in the ophthalmology sector. Now back to this conversation with John Kilcoin. So th- and this is a I mean, you've been in, in medtech for for a long time. You were CEO at Solace. You were with Micris. You've 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 led s- sales efforts before. How different though is this? This is a, a private pay market, um, and it's one that you, in, in your recent OIS presentation, that you laid out pretty well. And, and you can go through the numbers today if you want to, or people can go on OIS.net and check it out themselves as to how large a market this is. But how do you prepare uh, a company, a device company, an ophthalmology company for a, a private pay market like this one? Is it is it markedly different than than other? sort of sales uh, uh, ventures where you know what the reimbursement is, you know what docs are getting paid. What is that, what is that procedure like? Um, I think fundamentally uh, at one level there really isn't any difference because at the end of the day, regardless whether it's a, a for pay or not for pay, uh, the, you know, the bottom line is that the product has to work. Um, and so you have to deliver clinical outcomes. You have to be able to provide value to our surgeons and our patients. So whether it, you know, whether it's a, you know, charge a dollar and it gets reimbursed, or, or five thousand dollars and it doesn't get reimbursed, it, it, that that part of it is exactly the same. Um, we need to focus on delivering great outcomes, and if we do, we'll be successful. Whether it's for pay, not you know, for uh, reimbursed or not reimbursed, if we deliver great outcomes, we will be successful. Um, so now moving to the next step, I, you know, I mentioned to you that you know, there's two billion uh, people in, in the world, but let's let's kind of bring that back to, a little bit to reality, and, and let's look at the U.S. as which will be our target over the next, you know, certainly uh, 12 to 24 months. Our focus will be in large part on the U.S. and, and, the, and the rollout 
of raindrop to the U.S. Um, surgeons. Is about if you look from the top line, there's 328 million people in the United States. Uh, if we then take that number and say, okay, what is in our approved indication? So our approved indication is minus a half to plus one. Uh, so of that 328, how many are in that um, in that population and are in our age group? That's 28 million. If you take that one step further and, and kind of put it through another filter and say, okay, this is an elected procedure, to your, to your point about it being a you know, non-reimbursed procedure, this is an elected non-reimbursed. Uh, if we put a household income qualifier on it, we'll say $75,000, what does it look like then? So, again, through that second filter, uh, you go from 28 down to $13 million. So, you know, it's easy to say $2 billion, that's a great slide for everybody, but the reality of it, the reality of our market with our indication and our age group and our, you know, and if you put a household in income qualifier on it, it's about 13 million people. That's still a really big market. Uh, it is evergreen. It repopulates and replenishes every year. Um, so it, uh, it's a, it is a holy grail. It is a very large market. And, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, um, the challenge is making sure that you um, stay focused to your plan, make sure you have uh, the technology and identify it for a specific population that we, we want to make sure that we put this in patients in the, for the right indications uh, within, our, within our approved indication. And, you know, those patients that we have seen historically, be it through the IDE trial or, you know, some of our, uh, we have a small uh, experience outside of the U.S., but clearly they provided that that experience has provided great learnings for us as to which patients are going to do the best. You know, great ocular surface, low MGD, good tear film development, uh, people who typically are compliant to their meds. And there's, there's certainly a, a recipe, if you will, of which patients would likely do better, and we want to make sure we focus on, on those patients and, and impart that information to our surgeons. I mean, what we do want to be is in, in this launch, um, again, um, whether you're in cardiology, neurosurgery, or in ophthalmology, no surgeon likes surprises. So we will be as transparent as we can with our surgeons to make sure that they understand where we believe, based on our experience, be it an IDE or a commercial setting, where this product will work and perform the best for them and their patients. And uh, I think, you know, Luis Vargas on the uh, medical affairs side uh, who works for us, uh, Sarah Cannon, who's our uh, director of marketing, and then obviously Frank, uh, that group will be heading up the commercial effort, and they will be, uh, I think, very open and transparent in the way that they present raindrop into the marketplace. How does the the approval of other uh, lenses sort of affect revision? Is it, is it better to have other presbyopic uh, targeted devices out there because it sort of builds a critical mass of offerings that you can sort of be part of and you don't have to explain the whole story? Uh, or would it be better to, to have this field to yourself? No, I, I think um, I think your first your first first point is correct. I mean, the uh, the fact that cameras uh, been in the marketplace, I think, is is helpful. I think they help us, we help them. Presbia would will be online at some point in the future. I think the 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 more uh, opportunities that, that surgeons have, more opportunities that patients have, uh, or selection. Uh, will benefit us all. I mean, as I just started saying, there's 13 million people that replenish every single year. Um, the, the market is extremely large and, and can certainly tolerate three players. Uh, in addition to, you know, there are other methods of 
presbyopic correction as well. And um, it, one of the things I've, I've really come to appreciate over the five years I've been in this marketplace is not all presbyops are created equal, and and no one presbyopic solution is going to be perfect for all patients. Uh, so I think what we'll see in this marketplace is a you know over the next years is there is a continuing maturation and, and improvement in technology that will allow surgeons and, and their patients to better select the presbyopic correction for that particular patient. Yeah, one of the other things you had referenced my OIS presentation that, um, that really had jumped out at me uh, from some of the work we did with a strategic partner, uh, we surveyed about just under 1,000 1, patients, um, potential patients, I should say. And... Um, what I heard continually from the marketplace is that uh, presbyopes don't go see the ophthalmologist. They just don't go see them. Well, what I what I what I what I shared with with the the group at the last OIS meeting was that um, that is totally counter to what we heard from these almost thousand potential patients, because when they were asked, when they were told about raindrop, when they were told about you know the advantages and some of the disadvantages of the drawbacks. So there was a balanced discussion as to what the raindrop was. Um, wh who would you seek out for information and treatment for this, this product? 71% of the patients say, saw, said that they would see an ophthalmologist. 71% said that they would go to the ophthalmologist. So my, my belief is that patients don't go to the ophthalmologist for the presbyopic correction because the ophthalmologist really hasn't, haven't had tools to offer to the presbyopic patient. Well, you know, Bob Dylan, these times are changing. <laughs> we, do have, we do now have products that ophthalmologists, surgical products that will benefit presbyopes that they can market. And it goes back to your other point. So the fact that cameras in that market, that we're in this market, Presby will be in the market in the future, and other technologies uh, I think will benefit everybody to raise the awareness that there are surgical solutions that bring these patients back to the ophthalmologist, which leads to more refractive procedures, which leads to more dry eye management, which leads to you know, more cataract identification at an early, earlier or later stage. So it is a, uh, it really is a, a driving force uh, to, to accelerate, I think, uh, patients who would not have typically seen an ophthalmologist, not just for their presbyopia, but for all other conditions as well. So I think it's a great opportunity. Is this a direct-to-consumer sort of uh, effort then by you, or, or do you work with optometrists? I, mean, I have an appointment with my optometrist in a month to sort of review my, my prescription and my situation. Are they going to be referring patients to ophthalmologists to, to talk about these new products that can help them? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think um, this is, for me personally, this is, the, this is the closest I've ever come to direct direct consumer. But we still, our customer still is the surgeon, the ophthalmologist. Uh, we will certainly be educating and, and updating and informing optometrists uh, with regard to direct consumer. Um, you know, the national ad, national campaign, uh, is something we would consider at a potentially a later date. But when you go to that level. Uh, and create that demand in the marketplace, uh, you need to make sure that that demand can be satisfied. And at the early stages, you know, we're going to have tens of, you know, tens and, you know, hundreds of doctors uh, over the course of the next 12 months or so doing the procedure. Uh, if you go to a national campaign, direct consumer, you, you have to have, because if you don't, they're going to be frustrated. 
when they go seek out the technology and they'll go away. So we'll, we'll build that momentum over, over the next years. That's a great point. And you want to make sure it's done right too. You don't want a, the first impression to be ba- to be a bad one. So uh, what, what is next? I mean, you did, did well, just to, to talking about the consumers, what was the, the you talked about the online um, uh, survey of just under a thousand people. I think it was 800 something people. What other uh, data have you accumulated to sort of uh, help push, help your sales team pre- prepare to, to make the pitch to the, to the surgeons? What other data do you think is, is relevant to those surgeons? Well, I mean, clearly, um, you know, you start with what your indication is. Uh, so that's where we start, and that this will be our approved indication. And we do want to. We clearly, uh, the directive to the field sales force is that we are staying on label, um, and uh, that is also our um, you know message to our surgeons as well, because we know in that minus a half to plus one, we know a lot about that patient. And we can really help you get great outcomes. Um, so patient selection, types of patients, as I mentioned before, you know, oculosurface health, some of the things that you want to look for there. Um, um, then you get to the next, you know, level down is the surgeon training. Uh, we will have online training. We'll have didactic. We'll have wet lab. We'll have proctors. So there's a process, a very logical and stepwise process that we're going to take these surgeons through. And, and you know, Overall, our procedure is quite straightforward. Uh, it is relatively simple. You cut a flap, you lift the flap, you put the raindrop down on the light constricted pupil, you wait for it to dry, you rehydrate the hinge, and you put the flap back. Uh, for a surgeon who has done you know, twenty to 25,000 basic procedures and flap lifts over the past X number of years, they look at you and say, yeah, I, 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 you know, I don't need the assistance. Uh, and, and the surgical technique, you know, We'll offer some pearls on the surgical technique for sure because it is a little bit different. Uh, but it's also that perioperative environment that we need to make sure that, that these surgeons understand this is a different patient population. This is, you know, from a counseling standpoint, these are the things you want to bring forward. From a patient follow up standpoint, these are the things you want to, to emphasize. And then we, we will, we're also working on some, you know, value added uh, technology that we'll be able to layer on top of the, the surgeon patient experience, which is still, we have not uh, presented yet publicly. Uh, but we're looking to, you know, do things a little bit different uh, in, a, in a positive way where we can hopefully enhance the surgeon patient uh, experience and improve the, the outcomes on a, on a long term basis. Uh, so we have high satisfaction rates. Uh, you know, both at this at the surgeon and at at the patient level. Terrific. And just final question: uh, How are you uh, capitalized? Do you have the money you need to to make to take this next step, or are you uh, we have to be raising some uh, some money soon? No, uh, we certainly do have. We have. Uh, we're well capitalized at this point. Although, uh, as you can imagine, the U.S. launch is uh, is a um, expensive endeavor. So. Uh, we will be raising additional capital to uh, support the U.S. launch. Uh, I have a great group of investors that are around the table, and uh, uh, I'm very excited to have them uh, uh, be very committed to uh, seeing revision optics through and uh, supporting us along the way. But uh, yes, we'll, we'll we'll raise some additional some monies and uh, uh, look forward to doing that because it. I do think we have a technology and a product that uh, will be rewarded in the marketplace. So, um, and, I, and I do believe the, the uh, our, our investors are, are in uh, in agreement with that. Terrific! Uh, congratulations again. Like I said, it came as a as a pleasant surprise. I remember looking at I I read the news about uh, your approval, and then I looked at our our 
coverage from ASRS, ASCRS, ASCRS. And uh, I'm like, well, we had the timeline a lot, lot farther down the road than that. So uh, I didn't think uh, I'd ever seen anything coming that early. So that's uh, that was great news for you and a great it's a high grade. Yeah. yeah, it's a high grade problem, but we'll take it. Absolutely. All right, John. Well, thanks for the time today, and I look forward to seeing you at a future OS. Thanks a lot. Take care, Tom. All right, great. Well, thank you so much, John Kilcoin, for taking the time to share uh, Revision's plans for its next steps. These are exciting times for the company and for ophthalmology and for presbyopia sufferers like myself. So happy to have some options available to me as I move forward. Speaking of moving forward, next week is our 100th podcast episode. Uh, thank you to everyone who has listened to 1 through 99, including this podcast. Uh, it is a real treat to do this podcast. I enjoy uh, each and every guest that I've, I've talked to, but I especially enjoy hearing from listeners who, uh, who offer comments when I meet them at uh, OISs. So uh, thank you to everyone who has been part of this journey. And again, tune in next week, and I think you'll enjoy that hopeful installment. And I hope I will see you at OIS at AAO. It is coming up faster than you can believe. It's on October 13th. If you remember the Vegas conference, it was huge in in size and in success. So I hope you will uh, remember that and sign up uh, to attend OIS at AAO on October 13th. Just go to OIS.net. Register for OIS at AAO, and we will see you in Chicago.